One, two, three. That was semi close, I think. <laughs> it's like bad lip syncing in an old kung fu movie. <laughs> Do you want to fight? Oh <laughs> fight me. <laughs> Leave a bit of silence and then we'll just go in. <laughs> I might have to stop laughing. But... No, 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 let's not bother. I mean, let's just crack on. A three, two. <laughs> are we clapping or you start? No, I'm just going. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> and welcome. And welcome to We're Not Wizards, the gentleman you can hear laughing in the background <laughs> is Frank West. Say hello, Frank. Hi. How are you Again. doing? Oh, very, very good. This has just been um, five minutes of nonsense so far, so we're just going to continue with the five minutes of nonsense, because usually we have a, a nice little intro and everything like that. But because we're one year old, we've decided to enter our naughty little toddler stage, which means we're just going to rampage all over the place. Um, tonight's show is a repeat offender show <laughs> because Uh-oh. we've dra- we've dragged- and last time I upset so many people <laughs> that we've got to be careful. Exactly, we've dragged Frank West back in, um, and the reason that we've done that quite simply is because um, the last time we did a show, it was called "Let's Go West to the City of Kings," and we never quite made it there. <laughs> There was too many monsters. <laughs> so this was, this is kind of like the continuing. These are the continuing voyages of the We're Not Wizards podcast, on its one-year mission <laughs> to seek out cardboard, to explore <laughs> new me- gameplay mechanics, to boldly go where no dice has rolled before, and that's the new intro. What do you think? It's rubbish, isn't it? I think it was alright, yeah, it was good, it was good. <laughs> Let's just stop. Um, anyway, um, first of all, Frank, thank you very much for coming back on again, because um, last time was a lot of fun, and, and this time we're actually going to talk about a shop, I think, which is the, the way forward. For everybody who has not listened to us before, and, you know, I'm, I completely forgive you if you haven't. Um, <laughs> The reason that we do this is because there are quite simply not enough podcasts out there about board games. I've checked, and there's there definitely is just no podcast at all. Don't check. Um, and the second, <laughs> the second reason that we do this is because last time we spoke to Frank, we didn't mention the board game that he's been Kickstarter. <laughs> <laughs> It was a slight snag, wasn't it? We spent so much time moaning about my friends and talking yeah. about all my games. Hi, Dave. We mentioned the one game that was kind of important. But, you know. So we thought we'd just come back on and we'd have a have a general matter. So anyway, first and of course, this is the Egyptian Monopoly game that I made, right? That's what we're here to talk about. Yeah, this about. is exactly what we're here to talk about. It's uh, <laughs> so near, so pharaoh, far. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, before we dive in. Because we have to do this. Um, and no, how how are you anyway? What you be, what's how's things? Are you busy at the moment? Is this just? Yeah, know? I think the things are good. We've just got to that point. Like I've always had quite a busy time in the city of Kings. You know, it's yeah. big stuff, lots going on. But yesterday I had a chat with Sarah, who's my other half, and I said to her, um, 
I need you to prepare that as of tomorrow, I'm going to be doing 14 hour days until our campaign finishes and you may not see me for a while (laughs) because we've just hit that point now where things are just about to go crazy. Okay. There's just, there's no time for anything else. So I I don't know why I'm here with you, to be honest. Like, I should be <laughs> like making games and stuff, but... The ultimate procrastinating kind of thing. Yeah. I've got to sit down and I've got to write this uh, business plan and uh, this marketing plan. And do you know what? It's been really a long time since I dusted above the door frames <laughs> through the flat. <laughs> And I really uh, should put a wheel wash on. And uh, that scurrying board, does that need gloss to you, Sarah? What do you think? <laughs> Not to mention renaming all the art files, you know, so there's something that are more familiar. <laughs> and it, it coming up with a reason in your mind why you should do it, like, in an encrypted fashion, just in case somebody <laughs> breaks into your computer. So there's all this this type of thing. So I take it, <laughs> the answer to the question, have you been playing any games, board game-wise, in the last <laughs> couple of weeks, is, yes, I've been playing loads. <laughs> yes, I've been playing loads of the City of Kings. <laughs> Have you? That's um, good. No, I've I've been playing a bit like for the last couple of months, but this week is basically the kind of end of the line for that for a while. Yeah. Um, I try and do regular board game nights and have been for a couple of nights a week for the like you know forever. Yeah. I've got one more lined up this week, okay. and that's basically it. And I'm not scheduling any more just because again. I just don't have the time for that at the moment, unfortunately. So here's a Desert Island Disc question, or is it a potentially yeah. death row question? You've got your last meal in front of you. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> they're about to stick you in the chair. For crimes unknown and unproven, but, you know, it was a <laughs> it was an injustice. What's the last board game that you're planning to play before you enter into the Kickstarter world of, you know, this wonderful <laughs> carnival of stress and anxiety that you're 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 volunteering to go into <laughs> what's no what's feel... it, yeah what you want to play is it eclipse <laughs> yeah pretty much um i think it's too cheesy to say my own game isn't it obviously so yeah um the game i've got lined up on thursday this week is terraforming mars and I have fallen in love with that game. I have played it a lot. Um, it was probably my favourite game of last year. Mm. So I'm glad that I'm going to be playing that one more time before we get to the end. <laughs> that sounds because we talked. We actually tell you we actually talked about it for a bit, um, and then. But actually, quite recently, I saw some people playing it, and I saw it. It's a beautiful looking game. It's really, really lovely. To look at and the setup's kind of glorious. Um, <clears throat> I myself, I have been playing Star Wars Armada, which Ooh. we spoke about. Well, not you and me. I'm using the royal. I'm using the royal me and Colin. <laughs> the other way. The other me. The me and Colin we, um, which we haven't come up with that kind of weird celebrity couples thing. You know, <clears throat> Collard or something like that, or, <laughs> or Rich on. You know, that kind of nonsense. Single name, yeah. Pretty much. I can um, see that. <laughs> <laughs> just send us in your suggestions, because we always like suggestions. We're not wizards. Um, but no, Armada continues to be a glorious bit of fun, which provides kind of endless excitement. And I always... Do you know what happens? I get to the end of a game of Armada, which I was playing with uh, Gordon at the club, and I always get to, like, we get to, like, halfway through, and I'm saying... Why don't I play this more often? Why don't I spend yeah. the time to actually sit down, 
and go through the cards and learn the tactics. And I was running Imperial, so I was running um, I was running a Star Destroyer. I was running a couple of little um, flotilla ships, and I was also running the one of the Gladiator vessels. And it's just so so nice to play. But um, so that's that's what I've been playing this week. We're lining up to play a little bit of Viticulture this weekend mm-hmm. and a little bit of scythe as well because as we said and you're on the scythe bandwagon <coughs> now you've spoken to jamie aren't you <laughs> no it's not that it's just more of guilt because we did say to jamie um we did say to jamie that we would actually have a proper discussion about scythe and because of it's a game that requires a little bit of time we have got it to the table but we still haven't got it to the point where we feel that we've you know we can justify having a good conversation with it so yeah. you know that's the plans for the weekend. So that's I mean I would probably continue to play Armada for a long time. I'm still playing Star Wars Destiny, which is lovely, and a big shout out to my pal Andy who decided to dump. Basically, he went out and spent a lot of money on the Destiny booster packs, and he said, "Here's all my doubles because I know your son, you and your son plays." And here's a whole pile of dice that are doubles as well that you can have. Wow. So just a massive... We all need a friend like him. Oh, he's way, just such a nice guy. And big props and shout-outs to him for just doing that because you certainly made my son's day yesterday when I said, here, look at these. And he went, what's those? Those are our destiny cards. And he was like, yippee! Which is good. Yeah, that's so really he's cool. He's well excited, so that's cool. So big shout-out to Andy for that. Um... We are near the walls. There's the guards outside. They're saying they can let us in if we if we sit down and we tell them a tale. So we're going to tell them a tale of the city of kings, Frank. <laughs> cool, good, good. I'm hoping they're not the guards outside the city because there aren't any guards, so it could be a bit <laughs> awkward. <laughs> um, as as we did, I mean, as we've you know already kind of. I guess talked about is that you been on before um, the game was obviously there's still lots to kind of think about and do and talk about and we said we did agree at a point where you were at the point where you wanted to come back and really delve into what the City of Kings was about and speak more about mechanics and where we were going and things like that that you'd come back on so here we are it is now February it's almost heading into March. Shall we dive in? Do you want to dive in and just let's start? Yeah, I'm ready to go. go. I think the floor is interesting. Last time um, I was on, obviously, we kind of we talked about it briefly. Yeah. But I think the main reason that I didn't really talk about it too much is not because the game itself wasn't ready. Um, I mean, there was a lot of kind of, you know, the more businessy side of it and Kickstarter and costs and stuff to do. But the game itself was pretty solid. But it was more of the fact that I hadn't really spent too much time talking about it and learning about how I want to talk about it and how I kind of present it to people. Like yeah. we've done a lot of play tests and we've stood in front of people with the game pieces and shown them it and talked about it. But it's very different when you're just talking through audio and someone doesn't have the game in front of them and you can't show them pieces to kind of guide that. It makes it much harder. And <clears throat> I feel now that I'm a lot better suited for that. So here you go. I've been thinking about this all day. And <laughs> okay, so there's no my... there's no pressure. 
<laughs> and we're not my... editing any of this out. <laughs> None of it. It's okay. This is going to make for a really, really short podcast as well because <laughs> I've managed to summarise the entire game and experience down into one word. So, are you uh, ready? For right. It? Okay. 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 No. 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 Wait. No. No. Okay. No. 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 I'm ready. No, okay. okay. <laughs> so, I think the word that best describes the City of Kings, and we all, we talk about mechanics, we talk about stories, talk about artwork, but for me, the kind of symbolic part of it is the concept of adventure. And the City of Kings is all about creating an adventure and giving you an adventure which other games haven't managed to do yet. And, you know, that's it. So if you're interested in going on an adventure, then that's <laughs> the City of Kings. <laughs> Frank. I'll be back in a few months. <laughs> Frank, we're like 13 minutes in, mate. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> you, can't just, um, you can't just come on and go, <coughs> it's adventure. You could okay, actually walk past adventure. the mic and go okay. past them and go, adventure, 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 adventure. You could do that, that would be kind of awesome. <laughs> okay. um, <coughs> I've, looked, I've looked at the game. Um, I've looked at the, the YouTube videos that you have up. And there's tiles. Mm-hmm. And there's characters, and there's moving about, and there's revealing yeah. stuff. Many, many things. Tell, so, tell, tell, yes, this is it. Tell. Let me let if me they, throw it at you. So, yes. you um, did you say you've done D anD D, or I know you've played some kind of RPGs, games, and stuff. I wasn't sure if you had done D. I have just started D anD D about two Sundays ago, and uh, therefore I've been reading up on an awful lot of it. So, I okay. So. Yeah. Perfect, you're primed. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. So for me, the adventure side of this is I really want you to feel like you're in a world. I want you to feel like you're making decisions that impact your journey and your experience. I want you to encounter things. I want you to have fun. I want you to laugh. I want you to generally be scared and to kind of have fear of what's ahead. I want you to have an adventure where you're truly in this unknown world. You've got no idea what's going to happen. You know the basics of what you can and can't do. But as you explore and you continue on down this path, you have moments where where you feel like you've achieved stuff and you've kind of had success and something great's happened and you've built your way up and you have moments when you're terrified and you're running away or you're kind of too scared to go forwards. And I love this concept of you being able to create your own adventure. And even once you've played it once or twice or 20 times, that adventure is always unique. It's always different. It always comes with those same kind of emotions of... Should I do this? Should I not do that? Talking with people, kind of teaming up, getting together, feeling like as a group you can go forward, but on your own you're too afraid. Or maybe you want to kind of sneak around the back and see what happens. But for me, that's kind of, you know, the summary of what this game is all about. It's about how do I create an experience where you truly feel like you're in the world? <clears throat> so... Some of that comes down to obviously the story and kind of giving you purpose, giving Mm. you an identity, giving you a reason for that. And some of it comes down to the mechanics. 
So the mechanics, things including like exploring, so having tiles that you turn over that give you different things, mm. having side quests where you encounter survivors who need help. And it's up to you if you help them, when you help them, how you help them. They all come with different options that allow you to help them in better or worse ways. You also have some that just screw you over because you never know where someone's going to be a nice guy or a bad guy. Yeah. You encounter creatures and monsters and those creatures become more and more scary and more terrifying and they're always different. They're always generated from this set of rules that create something that's just that little bit harder than you would hope but you know you can defeat it. You just need to work out how you're going to do that. You'll find resource locations where you can gather food and resources. You can trade them for items. You can find uh, travelling shops where you can get new gear. You can find um, broken areas where you can rebuild the world and create structures. You can create defences. You can create traps. And you slowly progress yourself through this world. And each time you take the different route and that adventure is always different. Although obviously it's made up of those same mechanics. So I guess when I kind of say adventure, like... That would be my kind of the core, the summary of what it is we're trying to give you. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> for those who, for whatever reason, didn't catch the story last time, do you want to give us again just very quickly what the main story, the theme behind the City of Kings is as a start? Okay, so the humans as with all humans didn't get on too well and there was a guy called Vesh and Vesh was the leader of one of the human factions and he marched his armies away from everyone else he left his cities deserted and everyone wondered what was happening and he went to the city of kings and the ageless realms where he found a creature called Earthshaker who is the leader of this risen race who have been around since the beginning of time and they captured him And they spent a year drilling into his bones, drilling into the rocks, putting him apart, trying to extract this magical core that sits within him. And they finally managed to get a small drop that Vesh injected into his arm that basically gave him the powers of darkness. It introduced black magic and dark crafts into the world. And he retreated to some canyons where he set up a small base And over time, he turned it into a laboratory where he started experimenting. They started capturing different members of different races, experimenting on them, creating these weird creatures. They introduced orcs and trolls, but also other creatures which you'll encounter on your adventure. And he started to make all of these creatures and eventually unleashed them and they marched across the world, destroying everything. So at the time where the game takes place, there is very few survivors. All of the cities and all of the lands have been burnt, destroyed, they've been captured, people have been enslaved, and a few remain. A few manage to retreat back to the City of Kings, which is the most ancient city. And the point of the game is you and a few of the survivors who are all leaders of different races are at the City of Gates, and you've come to the decision that you have to push back. The armies are marching and this is it, the last stand. Your options are to stay inside the city and wait for them to destroy you or to push out and fight back. So you play through a series of stories from that moment trying to push back out into the lands and trying to reclaim some of your home. And, I mean, is this is this a story that's continually evolved then? I mean, are you... Do you still are you still going back and thinking little ideas that you can add in? Are you 
Is that you finished with it? Have you closed the book on this one and said, right, that's it, because if I change it anymore, I'm going to start mucking around with the kind of the purity of it? Because it sounds like, I mean, that's not a backstory. That's a world being built. You know, I mean, you, you. it sounds to me you have got, and if you tapped into your brain just now, there would be a world kind of living and breathing kind of there. Is and that, exactly that. We've yeah. got, um, Designing the City of Kings itself is kind of a two-part project. We've got the world building and mm. the game building. Mm-hmm. And the world building is something that will go on forever. There'll be years and years of us working on this. And then games will come out of that world. Yeah. Yeah. Some of those games might be expansion. Some of those games will be standalone games. Some yeah. of them will be completely different. But the world will always tell the same story. And you'll see it at different sides. You'll see from different angles at different times. But yeah, we've got like thousands of words of writing or, you know, hundreds of pages going back to how the Risen were first created, to how all of the different races came to be, to how all of the enemies were created and where they're from and what they do. And over time, we just add more and more to this world. And from, I mean, from you mentioned, I mean, you mentioned on the last, you mentioned in the last time we spoke that you'll have things like mini games and stuff like that, that you have already got yeah. planned and, and things like that, like to do with little mini games to do with the kit. The king themselves, for instance. Um, yeah. <clears throat> sorry. In terms of the main kind of mechanics for them, for the game itself, you know, I'm I'm sitting with the the city of kings box in front of me, which looks lovely. Can I just say? <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> I no, I genuinely kind of, you know, one of the things that's always kind of piqued my interest about this kind of project. Um, is the artwork. The artwork on it has always been glorious and it's always been kind of eye you know, it's always been kind of eye catching and I really, really like the box. I like the fact you've got you're using the black space on there and then you've got a thrust of colour in the middle. I just kinda you know, I really I really, really kinda like that. Um what are people gonna expect when they open the box? I mean how many you know in terms of adventure, there we go. They're, they're getting <laughs> You've done it again. You know, but we're you know twenty-two minutes, and we can't <laughs> you just can't keep throwing the adventure word at me because otherwise, no, I'm joking. Sorry. But no, when when somebody opens the box, are you um, <clears throat> is it component after component? Are you trying to aim to break people in gently? Is this going to be the type of game where? It slowly opens up as you go. Is it going to be the type of game where you have, you know, a 45-page rule book to get through and that the first couple of games are going to take hours and hours? Or, I mean, because you're, as you said yourself, you're a massive fan of games like Eclipse, which have been known to take, you know, a reasonable length of time. How, I mean, I guess the question is, when somebody opens the box... Is it easy to dive in? Is there a long, you know, is there a long setup? Is there a lot to learn so Sunday can start playing? So that answer, I guess, I could say yes and no for all of it, but I'll try and I'll give you a summary to that. Yeah, so yeah. the City of Kings is a big game, right? And there are a lot of components. To give you an idea, um, we have over a thousand components in the box, so that's a big game. I mean, we're talking that's 
I have 350 board games and it's probably in the top five of number of things in the box. Now, that number in itself sounds scary and it sounds terrifying, but one of the things that I really like to put across is I believe in this concept called progressive learning and it's something that the whole game was designed around. So I come from a video game background, and when you play a video game, you don't read a rule book. There is no rule book in a video game. No. You play through the game, and it introduces you to things as you go. Now, a board game, you're always going to have to learn some stuff at the start. And of a game with this complexity and this depth, there's going to be stuff you need to read at the beginning. But on top of that, a large chunk of the game you will learn and you will experience as you go through. Okay. Now, all of the stuff is in front of you at the beginning. So if you choose, you can sit there and read all of the rules about every single thing. Uh -huh. But I can also assume that you won't encounter the majority of those things for at least your first 20 plays. Whoa. And this is one of the things that's really intriguing is... For me, and I don't want to sidetrack, so I will come back to it, but for me, one of the important things for this game is the concept of replayability. And I find it really difficult because replayability is a word that's just used everywhere now. Replayability is on every board game, it's on every piece of writing yeah. you read. Yeah. And it's just become, you know, it's the same when people say we're innovative, you know, it's just the word that people use now to say, well, you can play my game twice, you know, and... And it's kind of like true and it's not true. But for me, the City of Kings has been designed to be around this concept that you will continue to encounter new things, experience new things, and it will always be different. So one of the lines we have on our website is, this, whilst you play the City of Kings, you would encounter over 10 million different creatures on 10,000 different maps using characters you create from over 100 different options. So that's those a, numbers... That's huge. I mean, that is... I mean, that is um, No Man's Sky kind of territory kind of thing, isn't it? A lot, some lot. And it is. It's what it's based around. And those numbers are very conservative. You know, I'm not trying to, like say, oh, you know, there's kind of like this and that. I mean, if you actually look at the numbers, it's like, I think it's got 60 zeros or something, you know, it's like a ridiculous <laughs> number. But when you get to that number, you're starting to get things that are very similar and very kind of like this is the same as that. Yeah. So we're yeah. talking about genuinely just so many different variables. So, how, so I mean, how do you get these variables? I mean, is, I mean, you mentioned character creation, so... I mean, why, how, where does the ability to have so many different kind of creatures come from? I mean, is that a, is that done at the kind of the, the kind of the beginning of the game? Is does that have? Do you decide that halfway through? Does that continually decide itself? How does that kind of work? So you, um, as you encounter a creature, it becomes generated. Right. So the game is designed around the concept that you will never lose to randomness. Everything is deterministic and you can sit there and at any point you can always look at all of your options and make a decision about what you think is the correct one. Okay. You will never be... Um, in, there's, there is a kind of exception to that where you can choose to introduce randomness, but for the core kind of combat and stuff, you can always see what's going to happen. Let's say if you want to roll dice, you can actually customise your character so you roll dice when you attack, mm. but the core of the game, you don't have to do that. But at the point of encountering a creature, it becomes generated. So the randomness in how the creature is generated adds variance to each experience. 
but because creatures are persistent, you don't have to fight it at the moment you encounter it. Yeah. So if you've ever played video games, you know, where you're running around, you go up to a creature and you're like, whoa, that one's 20 levels higher than me. Yeah. Run the other way, you yeah. know. Like, you'll get that experience. Well, sometimes you'll find ones which are really weak and you'll just want to kill them quickly. But we're not talking about having, you know, hundreds of creatures on the board at once. You'll typically have somewhere between one and four creatures at any given time. Mm. And each of them will be of different strengths and powers and completely different experience. So, okay. So, will that give... Will you have the opportunity for people to be able to cross-share creations then or is it going to be contained within your own kind of game space if you get a couple of friends together for instance and they've all bought this you know they've all um, backed the city of kings would they be able to bring in creatures that have been created in their own game into a friend's game how would you know when creatures are generated, they become a temporary creation until they're destroyed. And at that point, they kind of recycle back into the process. So oh, right, you okay. can... Um, so one thing that we definitely want to look into is getting people to give us ideas and feedback on different abilities and different types of creations and different things they want to experience. But the kind of the core game itself will come with creatures in certain ways. Yeah. Now... One thing that's kind of really useful with this system as well is the core of, and this goes back to that learning thing, is the core of these creatures are made up from 50 different abilities. Well, there's over 50, but 50 completely different things. So we're talking about shooting a fireball versus um, every turn it enrages and gets more powerful versus it teleports across the board versus it panics you into randomly running in a direction, versus it tempts your workers into moving towards it. So all of these abilities work very differently. And if you do get to a point where there's one way you just go, I hate that, it's awful, then you can just take it out of the game. Like, it just doesn't matter. There's there's so many that unless you take out, like, you know, 85% of them, yeah. the game is always going to have that variance. And... I have people now who have come round and they've played the game over 20 times and they still generate abilities and just go, wow, what is that? Is this one of those horrible ones? You know? right, okay. <laughs> and it's it's always different. So the creatures get generated by kind of creating combinations of these different abilities. So you might find a creature that will teleport, so it will instantly move towards you and then it will shoot fire. Yeah. Or you might find a creature that, you know, will continue to run away from you, but it will leave a trail of poison on the board. Right. And these different combinations become more and more powerful the further you get into the game. Do the creatures physically, when they're on the board, do you use different pieces to make them look differently, or do they? All, <coughs> is it just a generic, here is a bad guy kind of marker, and then you have to refer to some kind of reference sheet? How does that, how does that kind of work? So in the um, base of the game, it comes with a bunch of war banners. I was about to say the number, but I've just realised that today we were just discussing the exact number, <laughs> okay. and I don't want to say All the right. wrong one. Okay. But it will be around about 10. And those war banners are effectively the kind of the faction flags of some of the different races and factions you'll encounter in the game. Okay. So if you think of, you know, like Game of Thrones, each of the different houses have their kind of own symbol that represents them. Yeah. So each of the enemies have a different symbol and flag that represents them. And then that flag is placed onto the board to represent them. And each creature then has a matching kind of creature template, as we call it, which then um, relates the stats to that banner. 
So in the same way you have a character sheet and you have a character on the board, yeah. there'll be kind of a creature sheet and a creature on the board. Ah, right. And so you basically will look out the different abilities to attach to the creature sheet. Exactly. And then once a creature's been destroyed, you return the abilities to the different bags and all the different... Ah, right. Okay, now you, okay, I get it now. I understand. It's like... Um, <coughs> it's potentially... It looks... It's almost like a little Lego guy. <coughs> You're yeah, kinda, you kind of you got the guy you kind of like sticking, kind of like different. You know, it is like taking kind of like a mix match of kind of like different characters. Here's different trousers. Here's a different body. Here's a different head. Here's a different hat. Exactly that. Here's something that they're holding in their hands and that kind of. And it all it plays off different. the thematicness of Vesh creating all of these creatures in his lab and them all coming out differently and having ah, slight right, variances okay. to them. Okay. So whilst you might see two creatures that are under the same banner yeah. and they might somewhat resemble kind of you know the orc faction, one of them might shoot fire and one of them might um, shoot poison. It depends on the character sheet that's in front of them and what's been kind of assigned in terms of their powers yeah, exactly. and stuff like that. Okay, okay. And it's worth noting that when the creatures get generated, you know, it's a 10-second kind of process. Like, it's not a long process. It's a random process. T- then you just go, you put your hand in a bag and you select out, like, ten, <clears throat> five tokens and then assign them to that creature. I mean, how does <clears throat> is that how that kind Yeah, of works, to a degree. Yeah? So there's three different bags and yeah. the bags represent different types of token or different types of abilities of different difficulties and then depending on where you meet the creature when you meet the creature you will take um, a base set of stats which continuously get harder so as you play the game you'll play through like 30 sets of stats so you'll start with creature one with set of stats one creature mm. two will have set of stats two and then on top of that, it will have the modifier of abilities. So it will have icons on that stat bar that will say it's two green abilities and one pink ability, or you know, two easy and one medium. And then depending at the trigger point for spawning that creature, that will also impact it. So if you found a giant enemy camp, that might add plus two hard abilities to the creature you're going to fight. Yeah. If you're doing a quest where you're helping someone, you might add plus one easy ability to that creature. But basically, the different tiles and the different ways of encountering creatures will add a set of rules that tell you which ty- um, which tokens to take out of which bags. That's fascinating. I mean, does that, then, does, does that work the same for your own characters then? When you're playing as your own people, you've got bags to take out stuff for yourself as well. Is that how it works? How you assign different abilities or is it a different a different way of doing things for your own person? So the characters um, are a bit more set. So right. one thing I just want to add on the yeah yeah no sure is, sure yeah um, yeah yeah is going back to your <clears> learning <throat> thing. One of the great things is when you have those bag of abilities. As you progress through the bags, you'll encounter more and more abilities. But you only ever have to learn what those abilities do at the moment you take them out of the bags. Yeah. So at the start of the game, you only have to learn kind of you know eight base abilities, which are all very simple. And then as you progress further and further, and you learn new ones, we have a um, quick reference booklet that just has the abilities, and each of them will have like one or two lines that will say. If this ability, then this happens. Or that ability, then this happens. So each time you encounter a new creature, you might find one ability or two new abilities. And there'll be a quick kind of look up to learn how that creature is going to work. And then you're kind of good to go. So that way you don't have to learn how all of the 50 plus abilities work at the start of the game. You can Mm. kind of just experience them and go... What's this? This sounds horrible. <laughs> okay. Oh my gosh. I know. Like, <laughs> mild mild vomiting and obnoxiousness. Yeah. 
So that reaction, you know, <laughs> where I added this new ability like you know six months ago, and one of my friends took it out of the bag and he just said, "Phoenix." <laughs> when it says Phoenix, is this what I think it means by Phoenix, or is this another type of Phoenix? <laughs> and then he read the sheet and it said. When this creature dies, it comes back to life. <laughs> and he oh, just was like, like, no, no. <laughs> it wasn't um, It wasn't Dave by any chance. No, it wasn't. <laughs> so he doesn't talk to me anymore. Not since does he not? <laughs> oh, that's a shame. He does. Hi, he was Dave. He playtesting the City of Kings this last week. And, did, he, um, did, he, did he realize? He had two drinks. I couldn't believe he I said he'd like a drink, and he said, Can I have a glass of water and a glass of coke? And I was like, Two, two glasses. So do you think you could have listened do you think you could have listened to the podcast and went, Right. He 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 told him his name before he went on. Oh, this was all a cunning ruse. Because <laughs> this was the thing. I just went I pulled a name out the hat and meant, What, Dave? And you went Yes, how did you know his name was Dave? <laughs> so um, it was just a random name, so you probably think, well, yeah, I told him in the green room what my name was so he could embarrass me on <laughs> the podcast. So he probably went, yeah, I'll um, I'll bring some uh, glasses to your game. Yes. <laughs> so I gave him two drinks and yeah. two glasses on two coasters and his own little table to put them on next to the <laughs> table of the game. Down the hall, outside, <laughs> next to the bus stop. You can oh. drink your drinks there. It's raining, though. Good. <laughs> that means if you spill so, it on the ground, it doesn't matter. Um, oh, so character sheets. I don't want to kind of skip over that because I know. No, you no, no, no. Let's that. let's let's talk character sheets because if there's one thing that either gets dealt with quite lightly in these games or gets dealt with kind of kind of be in a in a bit heavy of a bit of a of a heavy handed way. I think the video games have a lot to answer when it comes to character sheets. Obviously, Dungeons and Dragons and other, you yeah. know, RuneScape and you know, games like that have a lot to answer for when it comes to creating character sheets as well. It's getting a happy balance. It's, it's being able to look at a sheet and say, if I am in this certain situation, can I or can I not do this in order, you know? So it's important, yeah, I guess. I get that. You know, do you see where I'm coming from with that? I, I yeah, like to be able to thing. say, you know. I'm running. I'm running down a hill away from whatever. Can I scale this wall if I'm running quick enough? And you should be able to look at it and say, "Well, actually, if I look at these skills, yeah, I probably can." So, <laughs> how <clears throat> how easy have you made it for people to interpret? Again, looking at somebody that's maybe, I mean, this could be for many people. It could be a the first maybe the big box game that they maybe dive into. So. so- you know. Yeah, I completely get it. I completely get it. The um, the character sheet is such a huge thing. And I think I should start this with saying that when I talk about the City of Kings, I say that we have full character customization, that we have um, procedurally generated creatures, that we have a new type of cooperative experience, that we have worker management. And those are kind of the core things. So the character um, customization to me is one of our absolute most focused on kind of setting points of the game. And one of the goals I had right at the beginning was I am doing character customization and I am going all out, you know, crazy with it. I want people to look at this thing and just go, what? And then go, oh, it's really simple. And just realize the yeah. the kind of power of variance that they have in that. And I want you each time you play to be able to very simply 
create and customize different characters. So each character, um, there's six characters um, in total, each character has 12 skills which you can choose and are unique to each character. And then each character also has 90 stat points, which you can um, spec into as you play through the game. Yeah. And they have four equipment slots and a few other bits, but the kind of the 12 skills and the 90 stats are the kind of the two core things. Now I should say that the stats are the same for each character. Um, the only thing that varies between the six is the skills. So there's 72 skills in total across the characters and then 90 stats which, as you can probably see, already adds quite a lot of variance without even knowing what those things do. No, I mean, so, but at the same time, I mean, anybody that... I mean, this sounds like... Uh, this sounds video gamey to me. I'm going to potentially... You're either going to take this well, you're not going to take this well, but to me that sounds a little bit Dark Soulsy. You know, having your skills and then having your points to be able to put into those skills. Am I close or am I kind of missing it? Yeah, I mean, like, honestly, I haven't actually played Dark Souls, but I am aware of it. But, I know, (laughs) but we had um, Man vs. Meeple, Um, I was chatting to them the other day, because they've been playing through the game, Yeah, and their um, response to me, and obviously Man vs. Meeple, you know, they've done quite a few videos, and they're, you know, they play a lot of board games, and I said to them... um, can you tell me what games you think this reminds you of? Because I always ask people that question in case there's one I've not heard of. Yeah. They turned around and said, it reminds us of Diablo, Dark Souls, and the original Warcraft games. Really? And I was just like, so no board games then? <laughs> no, I mean, that's, no, no, I mean, that's, that's, what, that's thing, what you, you want. Know? I mean, as a quick aside, I mean, one of the... Everybody is aware that the Dark Souls board game is imminent. <laughs> Yeah, it's kick-started, it's going to be arriving on people's doorsteps potentially in the next two, three months and one of the biggest fears was how are you going to get that kind of, you know, mechanic into the game because one of the things about Dark Souls as a video game is you can spec your character how you want, so me saying this to you is me sounding very excited about because to oh, me it's... that is you know that because we've already gone to you know d as i say um i've not been long starting kind of D and to get it kind of correct the gm helped us kind of put our stats together but however you give me kind of like dark souls <clears throat> a video game or you know anything with that kind of stack uh, the, the ability to put points into stats then that is that's um, very very interesting to me. If you if you've got the ability from your character sheet to say, okay, I want to be able to do this. I want to be able to do that. I'm going to put points into here. I put points into that. Um, is that how it kind of works? Is that yeah? No, exactly. <clears throat> so in the earlier stories, so we, uh, we haven't said yet, but you play the game through stories. So each story is kind of a different gameplay session. Yeah. And in the first stories, you you know you start as basically nothing. You're kind of completely um you know, zero stats, zero anything. As you progress through the game, you'll unlock stat points and so on. Now, in the later stories, you start some of those where you get to spend stats at the start of the game. So once we know you're going to be more familiar with how it works, we feel more comfortable with allowing you just to kind of invest them like right at the beginning. So let's talk about the stats and how they work kind of for the first time player. So what I'm going to do, and I've never done this before, I know you don't know them, but... 
I'm confident that this is going to go well, so please don't let me down. <laughs> okay. This is the worst time to see this. I'm going to go through the stats, and I'm going to see which ones you recognise and can pretty much guess what they mean. Oh, okay? don't do that, because I'm thick. <laughs> this is awful. So, <laughs> I don't know why I'm doing this. I regret it already. It's all right, because okay. this is recorded. There's no way if I sound like a Muppet <laughs> that I am going okay. to... Well, I mean, I guess I should have like pretty much axed about the last 46 shows. <laughs> um, but... Go for it, yeah, let's, okay. you know. If we leave a nice long pause before we start... It doesn't matter, I don't, it. you know, no, it doesn't matter. I'm just going to okay. make a, hmm, so we can't cut okay. it out. <laughs> Go for it, Frank, so, come on. The first stat is health. Right, I'm guessing, right, that that has to yeah. do with your health. Exactly. That's one, so, one for one. That's one for one. You know, and health is um, comes with kind of two values. You have your maximum health uh-huh. and your current health. So you can keep upgrading your maximum health. Yes. But you need to restore it. You know, if you get attacked, you're permanently for the rest of the game going to have lost that health from your current health until you find a way to regain it. Yeah. So. Again, combat lasts for rounds and rounds. So health is that kind of I've got my maximum and I've got my current. Okay. So next one, attack. Yeah. Um, I'm guessing that is potentially to do with your ability to attack people. That's two for two. So attack is how much damage you do when you attack someone. Woo-hoo! So the more attack you've got, the more damage you've got. Right, okay. Okay. Bring it next on. One. Bring it on. Heal. Um that is either your ability to play as a bad guy in the wrestling circuit <laughs> or or it's your ability to heal yourself when maybe you've lost some health. Exactly. So healing allows you to heal yourself or another hero, restoring their current health back up to their maximum. I am on fire. Free keep it going, free. keep going, keep going. Come okay. on, let's go. This so is the next game. one. Yeah. <clears throat> Movement. Um, that's potentially how far you can move. Um, exactly. So right, okay. it's a tile-based game. It's how many tiles you can move for a single movement action. Fantastic. Right. Next one is range. Um, your range would be is either how far you can attack somebody that is some distance away from you um, in relation to if you're using a ranged weapon, for instance. Yeah, that's correct. Yes! And also, range allows you to heal other players who ah, are within that range as well. Cool, okay. So, those kind of five stats straight away allow you to choose varying kind of roles. So, if you want to be an attacker, obviously you can increase your attack. Yeah. If you want to be a healer, you can increase your heal. If you want to be a tank, you can increase your health. And creatures will always target the person who has the highest maximum health. So, you can force creatures to attack you by having one player single-handedly kind of focus on increasing their health. Yeah. And then... Movement is how fast you move around. So you could choose that you want to be an attacker that moves really fast, but you need to be really close. Mm -hmm. So you might be more of a kind of rogue type, kind of daggery kind of person. Or you might choose that you want to be a long range person. So you're not going to have much movement, but you're going to increase your range. Or you might choose that you want to be a bit of a tank with some healing or, you know, heal and attack. And those kind of different combinations come from those five stats. So... The next stat, which yes. you're not going to probably get, is yeah. luck. Any idea what luck does? Let me just grab my rabbit's foot and think about this. 
Um, I potentially think this is to do with your luck. Um, your ability to either find things or maybe achieve feats that require, you know, that you, maybe you can bounce off of other skill sets when you've not got the right kind of, I guess, points for it. You can then maybe use luck to kind of help you out in certain That's tasks. pretty close. So luck is... Um, <laughs> luck is for people who like to roll dice. So in the City of Kings, if you have five attack and you have free range, you can attack any creature within three tiles yeah. and you will always do five damage to it. Yeah, okay. If you want to heal someone, you will do your healing number to that player in range and restore the health. Okay. Now luck allows you to roll the dice that will add a random like additional bonus to your heal or attack. So you could choose to spend five points in attack and they will always do five damage. You could choose to spend four points in attack and one point in luck, and you'll always do four damage, and you can roll the dice that might increase your attack by two, but it might only increase it by one or zero. So it starts to give you kind of the ability to add some randomness to those heals and attacks if you like that style of play. Yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, yeah, okay. I'm, yeah, I'm currently being sold, but um, keep going. <laughs> Next um, one, because I'm winning, because this is a fun <laughs> six for six. So one. those six stats um, are the core stats for a hero, and between them, they allow you to kind of customise the um, abilities and how you kind of use your hero through the game. No, nope, yeah. As well yep. as your hero, you also have workers. So if you're someone who likes worker management games or you just kind of enjoy having um, professions in video game RPGs, then you have a worker that you can send around the board doing tasks and you can specialise in that and unlock a second worker. And workers can go fishing, they can go into mines and get ore, they can go to forests for wood, they can build up structures, they can... um, build up camps and little um, temporary bonuses as well. So if you want to just focus on your workers, you can. And workers have their own set of stats, which you can customise in the same way. Um, So the first one of these, and I'm going to prefix them all with the word worker, just so we don't get confused. Okay. So we have worker movement. Oh, okay. That's That's how far a worker can move. Exactly. Tiles. Yep. Boom. Okay. So workers and heroes can move different distances depending on where you spec. The next one is gather, which might be a little bit trickier. No, I'm potentially going to have to look up Google for this, but I'm believing your gather stat is actually how much you can gather on a particular resource square. So, for instance, exactly. if it was a mining square, you might be able to gather three coal or five coal or just one coal, depending on what your stat was at. Exactly. So um, the gathering action has a little bit more to it than that in the sense of you go to a forest or a lake and you can roll a gather dice Mm. and the gather dice will tell you how much of the resource you get. And there is also a chance of a negative effect happening. As you increase your gather skill, you get to roll more dice and you get to gain all of those resources. Um. Currently in a winning streak. Let's keep this going, Frank. <laughs> the last one. This is going to be the hardest one. And okay. if you get this one, yeah. that's it. You know, that that's it. Sold. Everyone's ready. Okay? Okay. So the last one yeah. is scavenge. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> oh, so fun. Oh, um, 
Is this to do with on areas which particularly don't have a normal kind of gather action that you can carry out, say like a mine or a field or something like that, you can just decide on a random square that doesn't normally have resources, you can decide to search about the places, maybe on enemy places, camps, villages, stuff like that. I love you, Richard, I love you. <coughs> Scavenge is the ability to search enemy bases for <laughs> scraps of resources. We you got are it. No. Not wizards or champion quizmasters. Amazing. There so, you go. You've just proven that there are nine stats and there are ninety options, and yet someone who's never played the game, hasn't seen the rule book, can effectively look at that and at the start of the game they will have a fairly good understanding of yep. what all of those things do without any learning. We didn't rehearse this at all, you know, it's not like you have been on at me all day. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's not. It's not. It's not like you have been phoning me at work, asking me about different stats, just randomly, <laughs> just phoning up and so, going, "Luck, tell me about luck." And I'd be like, "Oh, oh my goodness, <laughs> nah." So you see that that's exactly it. And for me, yeah. So the character stats are about giving people the ability to focus on the type of role they want, whether they want to be a support player, mm. a healer, attacker, a tanker, a worker, focus guy, but. It's simple because the base stats are all things which anyone who's played kind of RPGs is going to be somewhat familiar with from the start. Yeah. And there is, you know, there's there's more stuff going on with it. You get equipment, and when you get equipment, you put it into your equipment slot. You have four equipment slots. You've got body, legs, heads, and arms. You can only have the same type in the slot. Hmm. When you equip that item, it will give you bonus stats. So if you find a big giant sword, then it's going to give you plus three attack. Yeah. If you find a bow, it's going to give you plus one attack and plus two range. And so on. If you find some boots, they might give you some movement. Um, a chest piece might give you some health, or a staff might give you some healing. And you'll find different equipment that can go onto your slots. And when you place them on those slots, you simply increase your various stats on your character sheet, and you've gained those stats. So to go back to your earlier question of can I in any situation look at it and just go, oh, I know my options? You always can, because those nine stats will always be there, and you can always look at them and just go, I know I can reach four, I know I can move two, I know I can attack for four, I know I can heal for three, you know I can take ten damage, and it all becomes, you know, oh, I need to get six or, well, I've got three gather, I'm going to roll three dice, or, you know, it's probably going to take two attempts to get that, and so on. Right, no, no, I mean, it sounds intuitive you know and um based you know <clears throat> i'd always like to think that the base audience that listen to us are far more intelligent than i'll ever be <laughs> and so you know they sh- they'd probably be screaming at this episode going you should have answered that quicker how do you not know what luck is you silly man but um i mean you mentioned a lot of components out there i mean is there a lot of different tiles for different kind of environments and stuff like that? Are you able to tell, or are they quite kind of standard when you're going through, or as you go from place to place, does the areas kind of change in appearance and things like that? So as you go through different stories, you'll be setting up the game with different combinations of tiles. So in the game, there are... It's always a bit tricky. So there's a corner piece, which is like the starting tile, and sometimes I include it and sometimes I don't. But with that kind of starting corner piece... There are 48 map tiles in total, and the first story uses 20 of them. And on top of that, 
there are 12 building upgrade tiles so when you improve a piece of land you replace the tile with kind of an upgraded component Hmm. so you can build up a stronghold or you can build up a farm Hmm. and so on are they smaller components on the tile or are they actually are they the same size as the tiles that just a different tile you put down the um, building upgrades are just different tiles that you put on top. I like to put them on top just to make it feel like it's kind of sticking up that yeah. little bit, but you okay. can replace them if you want to. Oh, cool. Okay, okay. Um, the characters themselves, you mentioned, and obviously the, the character stats, which just makes sense. Yeah. You've talked about using the artwork standees in, instead of kind of normal miniatures. Yeah. Um. I think it is that to help kind of keep overall costs in the project down. I mean, would you consider going down the miniature kind of thing, or is that not something that you think would work for City of Kings? So miniatures would work, and we could totally do them. But for me, I don't want to do them for the first game. Um, And that's not even right it's not that i don't want to do them for the first game it's that i don't want to do them for this game because i feel like they are an unnecessary um expense and i know the games that have miniatures can you know sell for the fact that they have miniatures and they can make lots of extra money because of miniatures but you know we've spent two years building this world we've had an artist working on this game full time for over a year our characters are you know their labors of love their creations that we've designed and when you play this game we want you to see them in all of their color and glory and we don't want you to spend an extra 15 20 pounds on a game just so that you can have some kind of plastic figures that don't impact that experience at all and for me um the the realistic likelihood is that if the um if the Kickstarter goes well and the game funds and it's really popular and people really want to have miniatures, then we would release a kind of standalone miniature mm. expansion yeah. at a later yeah. date, similar to like Vast did with Crystal Caverns, where they yeah. kind of did a second Kickstarter later on where the miniatures were there as an option. Oh. But for me, you know, this game is it's something different. And I again, I'm sure, you know, everyone says that, but you will not find a game that gives you an adventure like this game. You will not find a game that will have the character customization and the kind of the unique replayability of each session like this game. The game itself is very different to what's out there. And some people might find that good. Some people might not. Hmm. But I want to sell this game because of what the game itself is. I don't want to sell it because we've added 20 quid's worth of plastic into the box. Yeah, do you not feel that that's kind of like a bit of a... There's a bit of concentration at the moment um, on that, that not to poo-poo some of the games that have been out or have come out, but there seems to be more of a look at all the plastic miniatures that you've got as opposed to let's have an in-depth discussion about the gameplay. Um, I mean, I'm guilty as charged because I have got things like the others' seven sins, and one of the things I looked at was like, "Whoa, these minis look incredible!" But <laughs> I must admit, I'm yeah, probably this just as guilty as not then looking at the rule book to check if the game was good because the miniatures looked absolutely, you know, absolutely fantastic. Um, so, and that's the risk; it yeah. really is. Like people love miniatures and. 
you know, I will be the first person to put my hand up and speak <laughs> honestly and say, I'm generally crazy stupid for not adding miniatures to this game. Like, I have, as someone who's backed over 150 Kickstarters and yeah. someone who's been backing games on for a very long time, I sat down for the last few months and I've been trying to find big box board games that have been successful on Kickstarter that don't have minis. And I can assure you the number of them is so, so small compared to the ones that do. Like, it is literally, every time I speak to someone about, oh, you know, I'm trying to work out the prices or the costs of this, they all say, go and look at what everyone else does. And, you know, honestly... Like, finding a game of this size without miniatures on Kickstarter that hasn't been produced by someone who's already made 50 games and has already got, you know, thousands of people, you just won't do it. You will not find it. And even if you do, like, you know, there might be one, there might be two, there's the odd one we've come across. And that scares me, because if I added a small box of plastic miniatures to my game there would be 50 games I could compare it to from this year, you know? And yeah, no, I mean, to me, yeah. am I crazy? Am I an idiot? Am I taking a risk that's just not worth it? But you know what? It doesn't change the game. Our artwork is beautiful. And if people want to enjoy an experience and play a game that's like no other and to enjoy it, then, you know, please come and check it out. But if you want to buy a game because it's got some cool plastic in it, then... You know, that's not what this is about. But you're not then challenging somebody's preconceptions then. If you're saying to somebody, listen, forget about the plastic side of it or the miniature side of it. Come and have a look at what the gameplay offers. Which I think yeah. is, a, is, is a bit of a... It's a bit of a... I know it sounds weird, but it's a bit of a fresh way to do it. And I guess normally... Um, yeah, I mean, it is a, you know, you're kind of saying, okay, you're, you've got a big box here. No, there isn't any miniatures. Let's have a look at how the rules play and the mechanics play, and then we'll have another chat to see if you still kind of feel the same way. Because at the end of the day, there's probably going to be, I mean, and I can put my hand up and put my hand on my heart at the same time, which is a difficult thing to do. But (laughs) I can say I have boxes of games which I have not played yet, which probably take out, and if I really, 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 really needed to have miniatures to put on a game, I have plenty of that to do that. You know, <laughs> if I couldn't live without having, you know, something to move around the table, then I could certainly do that. But on the other side of it, you have got you've got the artwork which is backing up kind of what you're showing on the the City of Kings, and I would say to anybody that have a look at you know have a look at the website. Um, and 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 kind of judge for yourself on the level of artwork that you're going to be getting, you know, not taking away from what people that sculpt minis do. It's an incredible job that they do. It's fantastic. Completely. completely. But again, you know, challenging people's preconceptions as to maybe what they think is a big box game is is a brave, you know, is a brave step. Not um, not daft, but um. And no. you know, I want to be really clear that I'm not kind of saying this because I have sunk against minis. I mean, you know, I just got Gloomhaven and I got the version with minis, you know. I'm not against that. And I don't want to be saying this as someone who's saying, you know, it's stupid and all that because, you know, I think that having minis is a good thing. But it's just, for me, I want to try and make 
you know, the game I've spent so long making and yeah. I want it to sell because of what the game is. Yeah. And I think you, like you touched on the artwork and I do, I think that our box, um, the box artwork, which you can find on the website is the city of Kings.com. Yes. The box is, um, there's a, there's a story behind the box. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. So if you take a fantasy game, you will look at the box and nine times out of 10, if not more, you will find that there's a big, battle scene or a big kind of scene with all the characters and all the things and everything's going crazy and there's loads of stuff everywhere yeah and that's you know what every fantasy game that i have looks like and there's nothing wrong with that you know it's good it's nice it's fun that's what fantasy is so i sat down and said i want something minimalist i don't want that you know i want to i want to challenge perceptions i want to do something which is what i would consider beautiful and something that i would consider new and different and I want to take that path and I want to try and stand out so I might not have miniatures but when people come and look at the game they will see things which they haven't seen before elsewhere and our box we spend more time than you can imagine on our box and our box is both minimalist but it's also a crazy complicated scene of stuff that has over 20 different points of interest and fights and battles and all the different aspects of the game and it tells a story but within that minimalist kind of style yeah and for me i created that because i wanted to have a piece of art that i would be happy to have on my wall I didn't just want it to be another box. I wanted something that was different. And I'm really hopeful that when people browse Kickstarter or browse kind of Board Game Geek and they see the game, that they're going to see that box. And it's just going to be like, that's different. And they're going to love it or they're going to hate it. But at least we've kind of tried to push those boundaries a bit. We've not played it safe. We've done something that just makes it us. And our whole game is based around that. It's something where the whole game is just, we're not playing it safe. We're not doing what people want us to do. We are trying to push the boundaries. We're trying to do something that's different, that's crazy, that's huge, but is also easy and simple and fun to play. And, you know, that's what the whole kind of, the last two years have been about. I'm still getting over the fact that you've mentioned Gloomhaven again, that you've got it. (laughs) (laughs) But no, I mean... It's about, you know, eliciting an emotional response, whether somebody likes something or doesn't like it. And, you know, again, the box art is something where you're trying, you know, you're trying to do, you try to do kind of something different. Um, we, you know, for, for us talking about saying, let's talk about the word adventure, we managed to have kind of turned the word adventure into 127,000 <laughs> syllables long. <laughs> Um, hey, you said it had only been 10 minutes. <laughs> well, you know, it's been longer than that. And, you know, time time flies when you're having fun. But, you know, it means that I am obviously going to keep the guessing game, the skill guessing game in because, you know, I, I was was happy with that. Um, <laughs> is there anything you want to make kind of people aware of? You know, this is kind of, I guess this is, um, <clears throat> do you have a date for when you're going to be putting the campaign live? So when you and me rescheduled this what, yeah. three weeks ago, four weeks ago, yeah. I said to you, let's do it on that date because I'll have a date by then, won't I? And yeah. that'll be awesome. And then we'll all be prepared. And yeah. then people didn't respond to emails for a while. And look where we are. <laughs> so I think um, one thing to add to that is I'm not 
rushing and I'm trying to release a game that's ready, there is no rule that says I need this game to be out six months ago, otherwise it's not going to get made. No. I'm not, at this point, a big business that's dependent on this game. Yeah. So I want to get it right. And because of that, I have made sure I have not released a launch date until every single thing has been signed off and I'm 100% confident that I know everything. And with that, I mean shipping, you know, I mean manufacturing costs. So I now have shipping prices sorted for 80 countries and I have friendly shipping to all the core locations around, um, you know, because we've spent the time organising that and planning that. So... In terms of a launch date, yes, I received the final email for the final piece of information. Okay, eight hours ago. Oh, uh, okay. And right. I need to take that and go through it and make sure there's no mistakes in it. And as long as that's the case, I intend to announce our launch date this week, um, which is really frustrating because I really wanted to do it on a show. But what I will say is. We are... You, you meant this. <laughs> <laughs> Quick, let's do that pause thing and edit it back in in three days. <laughs> exactly. Um, I'm just going to wait. This isn't going out until you tell us. I'm serious. So, I'm going to sit on this I'll try to choose a date and then we can release it in like... So, um... Just say different numbers. Say say the numbers like one, one to ten and then say the different months of the year. And then what I can do is I can go back and cut it out. I could just like... <laughs> like the so, train fr- so, Frank, when the is it? When the is second, it? <laughs> the third, the fourth. It's coming um, out on the 17th of Seb Novenoktober. So, like that, damn it. As long as um, the email I got through today um, and everything in it kind of adds up, which is tomorrow's task... Um, I am 95% confident at this point it will be either the last week in March or the first week in April. So we are <laughs> aiming for five weeks' time. Oh my goodness. Are you, which is quite terrifying. Are you, yeah, I mean, that's what I was going to say. You're terrified. Are you kind of scared? Because, I mean, this is... I mean, you've been... This huge. This is huge. This is... This is like... Uh... Because you must and be, lo- you must be looking at all the board board games behind you and thinking, that's going to be me. Um, it's it's both a dream and it's also like a real kind of reality check. Yeah. So, I am confident that I have done everything I can to make this a success. I have studied every single thing, every single third party. I've talked to as many people and planned as much as possible. When People see our Kickstarter page. I want them to look at it and go, this guy's done 20 campaigns before. You know, I I have put the effort in. I've been working on the Kickstarter page for the last month. So, you know, two and a half months or two to two and a half months before the launch and getting feedback from people already to make sure that we get that right. And with all that said, I am a guy who is launching his first game. It's a big box game with a lot of stuff without miniatures on Kickstarter and you know like there's not a person on earth who doesn't call me an idiot and says I'm stupid you I, know, like, I've never done that I except mean... <laughs> for that first email that you yes, <laughs> response yes. to the first but, you know, email that you said <laughs> every designer group every person I speak to just looks at me and says this is not how you do a first game you start small and you grow and you grow but yeah. for me you know I want to do the game 
which I believe I can make the best and that's it. And, um, you know, I'm scared. Um, we've been working with people like Man vs. Meeple and Rado. Um, obviously, Rado is a huge name. Um, I'm hoping you know who I mean by Rado. Yes, um, I know who you mean by Rado. And yes, yeah. his email back to me was um, Jen, who's his wife, um, said that it is her favourite new game of the last couple of years. Oh, so, that's you know, cool. like, that's really good. And he's going to be releasing a video for us, and that should be launching at the same day, um, same time as our Kickstarter does. So, you know, oh, that's, that's cool. a very positive thing. Um, his, li- his last email to me was, if you email me again, <laughs> <laughs> you're going to get your own personal YouTube video made. <laughs> and I was like, that's not incredibly nice, is it? <laughs> but no, I, I feel like I'm at the same point. Yeah. And <laughs> you... Man vs. Meeple said a similar thing. You know, um, Jeremy and David have been very positive about the game. And yeah. David said that... Um, I, I always get them mixed up. That's awful, isn't it? You know, I speak to them on Skype quite a bit now when I should get it right. <laughs> Just, but, um, it's like having twins. <laughs> Identical <laughs> twins and not exactly sure who you're speaking to until they maybe do that funny thing with their hair or something like that. Yes. It's that kind of business. <laughs> exactly. I'm quickly looking it up on Facebook. <laughs> exactly. I'm going to but, save yeah. your embarrassment. It's I'm all right. Gonna I'm not going to... It's fine. I'm not edit this bit out either. Nothing I'm is getting I'm just going to say he so now, and you can go back and remember who I said a minute ago. He said, <laughs> um, you know, that it was um, the best prototype of a new game that he's played for as long as he can remember. So, well, that's you know, cool. That, to me, is really positive. Like, yeah. you can't ask for better than that. And I'm hopeful that people will see the page or see the artwork that they'll watch the video that they'll see the rule book if they're that way inclined and um you know maybe see some of their opinions and maybe i have a chance but at the same time i'm terrified you know like i've spent over two years of my life dedicated to this project like thousands and thousands of hours of time every day for the last two years and I have no way of knowing what's going to happen. So, like, that's for everyone else to decide. Yeah, but you're doing it. You know what I mean? There's a lot of people that never, never, ever get this far, which is, you know, that's one thing to, to think about. Um, that's true. You know, um, there's a, there, we, all, we all know that everybody, everybody who plays board games at some point has sat down with a white piece of paper <laughs> and a pen and thought, what if... And the difference between them and you is that you've just kept on drawing and seeing, and kind of, and kind of seeing, kind of seeing where it where it goes. Um, you, you Rabbit ha- hole. Right, okay. That's the word. <laughs> um, yeah. Have you got a price? Yeah. So the price, um, the email today is what kind of confirms that price and kind of finalizes the figure. Right. So. Um, I can't give you an exact number at this point, but <laughs> oh, I know this is all kicking awful, my <laughs> ass tonight, Frank. <laughs> but um, oh, I, I, I just, feel all businessy. But I'm just going to come give... back in and say, right, okay, Frank, what the price is? The price is. <laughs> I'll be on the phone about it. <laughs> right, right, yeah, exactly. Put the I'll just have to. I won't ask you for numbers. I'll probably get the date. Oh. Probably, and the price is going to be. <laughs> The fifth of April, two thousand and seven. So, because it's a big box, um, I've spent a lot of time trying to work out how we can make it as affordable as possible. How to give people the experience I want to give them. How to make sure that people aren't getting different versions of the game that change the gameplay and so on. Yeah. So, 
Um, we're looking at doing um, four versions of the game, which probably sound even more crazy. <laughs> um, mm, no, but let, no, no, no. Let, tell me the versions because people are, people will be interested. So we're using we're doing a kind of standard version, yes. and I don't want to do I don't want to say the wrong word, but effectively this is kind of the value version. This is the version which, if I had to choose, I wouldn't make it an option. Because there's, you know, it's not got the full kind of aesthetical kind of feel that I want it to have. But with that said, it's still beautiful. It's still completely playable. It still has everything you need to play the game. The kind of the core differences are things like some of the tokens are punch boards rather than wooden and that kind of thing. So it's a more kind of reduced price version. And with the standard version, we then have. Um, and the kind of premium version, which allows you to have, um, to, to simplify it, those little things that allow you to bash your character sheet and not lose where everything was. Mm. So, you know, a lot of games like Terraforming Mars and stuff have had a lot of negativity around the, well, if I bash my sheet, I lose my stats and I don't know what's going on. And we appreciate that the stats in our game are quite important. So the kind of premium version is the standard version plus um, some kind of um, plastic recessive kind of sheet stuff to allow you to kind of use that and not have that kind of things get knocked off experience. Oh, that's kind of cool. So, so as I say, for me, I would typically say that's kind of the minimum you want, but not everyone, you know, is clumsy. Not everyone knocks stuff. Not everyone kind of wants to spend that bit of extra for that. Hi, Dave. Um, I don't. Two shout-outs <laughs> two shout outs in an episode, eh? Yeah. Must be feel, he'll be feeling famous. We should change the title of this should change the title of this show to Don't Give Dave Coke no matter what you do, unless he's standing outside so, with his own table and his own glass of water with a coaster. <laughs> we have the deluxe version, or as I call it, the No Dave's waterproof version. <laughs> <laughs> you should actually call it that version and then have a story on the video and have Dave tell it. <laughs> so the um the deluxe version is basically the kind of the upgraded components so you're going to get the wooden resources you're going to get some um kind of extra extra kind of artwork stuff so like the war banners you know i said there was going to be 10 in the game yeah um if you get the um deluxe version you're going to get a bunch more of those and it's just some kind of extra artwork but also wooden resources and on top of that it's also going to come with a little plastic tray that has kind of um, a little plastic kind of lid on it that you can store all the tokens in so if you don't want to have to bag tokens every time and put them away and take them out then that's going to have um, kind of 20 compartments so you can store them all in. When you play the game, you take that tray out. And it's not, you know, full box size. It's just like a smaller tray just for the tokens. And it allows you to kind of have faster setup and faster takeaway. Are you going to be doing Kickstarter exclusives? <laughs> no. Good. I'm not crazy. Oh, I'm <laughs> See, if you said um, that, if you just said, yes, we're going to be doing this. If you get this, <laughs> then you get these. And if you don't get the Kickstarter, you never get them. Because that kind of doesn't... It's not... I've got other things in my life to worry about. But if there's something that maybe slightly perturbs me, is people that say, get the Kickstarter and you will get these five exclusive things that we'll only ever give you here, here, and here. Which can be a bit... I can understand why people do it, but it's not my bag. 
we have talked about whether we do um, one kind of standalone war banner that has kind of different artwork on it for Kickstarter backers. But mm. to be honest, I'm still in two minds about that. I feel that um, the Kickstarter price is going to be cheaper than the store price. And there's going to be, especially if you buy like the kind of the bigger package versions, like the deluxe version, yeah. um, it's going to be drastically cheaper so that for me is the kind of exclusiveness of kickstarter yeah um and the the fourth version is um the which is the collector's edition and that effectively comes with um a hundred page hardback a4 um art book that has all of the kind of concept art all of our characters all of the artwork for everything in the game all of the stories about the decisions we made why we made them like we did the kind of different variants you'll be able to see some kind of unreleased artwork of some of the original characters and how they used to look and things like that and that obviously will be the same game but it will come with that art book as well that sounds like everything is worthwhile looking at even the value one which is interesting <clears throat> and that's so the price point is um and with each of these like i'll give you numbers but try and keep in mind it's going to be plus minus five pounds because um, i'm just going to give you some safer numbers and hopefully the final number is going to be a little bit cheaper but Let's just go with it for now. Um, okay. So we're looking. We're um, looking at. Yeah. <laughs> go on. No, no. I was going to say you don't have to. No, it's fine. So we're looking at something along the lines of um, sixty, eighty, a hundred, and one hundred twenty-five. Okay. So it's definitely not on the cheaper end, but it's still. Cheap <laughs> it's not Kingdom Death Monster, is it? Oh, no, <laughs> and. I um I would say that if you look at some of the other like big box games that have this level of quantity of kind of stuff in it, then you'll realise that it's still very, very cheap. Mm. Um the original recommended retail price of the standard game, um, based through the manufacturer costs and all of those things was hundred and fifteen pounds. So we have um put a lot of effort into basically reducing that by 50% yeah. and getting the game down. I mean, again, if you think that um, the game weight, the estimate for the game is somewhere between kind of five and six kilos. So somewhere around 13 pounds in weight. So <laughs> that's you quite, know, yes. that's more than Scythe's. That's more than yeah. um, Feast of Ferodin ways. It's a big, big game yeah. with a lot of stuff in the box. In fact, the only game I know that's heavier is Gloomhaven. So, um, you know, we are talking lots and lots of stuff in that box. That's pretty cool. Now, for people that have listened along tonight and are wanting to wanting to stay on the City of Kings trail <coughs> and follow the journey as it goes, where can they find you? Because Ooh, got... everywhere, everywhere. <laughs> On an adventure, Richard. <laughs> First, yeah, the, the, that word coming um, off again, which we do, we do like. Um, so the, the best um, yeah. place. Yeah. The, the best place is the website. So um, www.thecityofkings.com. Okay. At the bottom of our website, every page, you can sign up for the newsletter. Yes. Um, every, at least once every two weeks, normally every week, we do a... Um, update on the website of the latest stuff and the newsletter goes out 
about once every two months. We'll probably do a couple of extra ones, obviously, as the campaign comes closer. Um, you can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And for all of those, we are TC OK Game, and there are links to them from the website as well. Cool. Okay. Um, I will obviously keep make sure all of these and the additional notes and everything else that we can find will be put into the show notes so we have notes to show. I think we have covered this. I feel a, like we've covered the game a bit now. A little we? bit, <laughs> a little bit better than we did last time, Mister West. <laughs> and you know. Like the set, the selling point for me is, I reckon I've probably only told you half the stuff that's in the box, if that. Like there is much, much more. We've talked about all the critical stuff pretty much. But yeah. That it's a big game. There's um, sixteen different plays in the game. Like just kind of base. Like when you pick it up, you've got sixteen options of which story or objective you want to play through. So there's a lot going on in there. It sounds, um, yeah, it sounds, you know, very, very, very interesting. And as I say, we will keep people posted on what's happening through the usual channels because if you want to keep up to date with what we are doing, then you can find us on Twitter. It's We're Not Wizards. You can go to our website, which is we're not wizards.com. You can email us, magic at wearenotwizards.com or .co.uk. If you search us on iTunes, We're Not Wizards, you'll find us there. If you like what you heard, <clears throat> then feel, you know, consider leaving a review. Um, we obviously don't want you to make us have, you know, be too big-headed, so don't leave us a 10. And don't leave us a zero, because that makes us cry. <laughs> but maybe leave something in the middle, like five. Just average, because we like to think we're average, but consistently average. Um, or roll the dice, get a ten-sided <laughs> dice. Exactly, roll it. yeah, yeah. Do, you, know, whatever, you know, whatever makes you kind of happy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the main thing to remember is that we are many things, but we're not wizards. Are we wizards, Frank? We are not wizards. We are not wizards. We are on an adventure. And we shall leave it at that. Listen, thank you for coming in again. This has been fun as always. It's oh, always it's been good great, to, Richard. You know, thank it's, you. It's always a good <laughs> laugh to, to kind of have you around and have a chat. And apologies to Dave. <laughs> <laughs> Who I'll probably meet one day at a convention and he'll just flat out punch me <laughs> on the floor and then cover me in coke and say, see how uh, you like it. Um, but no, thank you very much for coming along uh, and, and having a chat. Um, again, um, City of Kings, keep an eye out and see what happens. It looks very, very interesting indeed. But until the next time, it is a goodbye from Mr. Frank West. Goodbye. And it's a goodbye from me. Stay safe. Roll sixes. Keep an eye on those stats. And watch behind you for that king. I've heard he's a little bit... dodgy. <laughs> but until next time, bye-bye. <laughs>